Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Schrader, and we're continuing our series on answering the question, I'm saved, now what? We're looking today at Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. And what we're going to see here is that our new identity in Christ is that we are children of God. I want you to think before we begin about some of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Um, Jesus explains that when he sends the Holy Spirit, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And the Holy Spirit has the same ministry in our life. But do you know what his primary ministry in the life of a believer is? We find the answer in this passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. It says this, You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. What's one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit? Crying out, Abba, Father, in our heart. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is reminding us, letting us know, affirming our identity as children of God. And one of the things that he helps us to do is to see God as our loving Father. You know, one of the most difficult things for us to do as adopted children of God is to believe that we're loved just like a natural-born child would be loved. You know, Jesus is God's only begotten Son, and and God's love for his Son makes sense. But Jesus says he's going to love us just as he has loved the Son. That's mind-blowing. That's too miraculous for us to comprehend. And so the Holy Spirit supernaturally helps us to believe, no, it's actually true. You really are children of God. He really is your Father. He really sees you as his sons and as his daughters. So God gives us the very Spirit of Jesus Christ. He puts the Spirit of his only begotten inside of us so that in Christ we're part of his family. The reason that God views us this way isn't because we're interlopers, but because we've been grafted in. It's because we're in Christ and Christ is in us. His DNA is now part of who we are. We're new creations. And as new creations, we're children of God and the Spirit reminds us of that. Well, he does it in a few ways. First, he lets us know that we've not received a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Now, the reason Paul has to do this is because as humans, we still get deceived. We still get tricked. We don't listen to what the Holy Spirit is directing our hearts to. Remember what he just now said in verse 14 is all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And now he's letting us know how the Spirit leads us. Well, he doesn't lead us through fear. You don't have a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. What is he telling us? He's letting us know that as new creations, as children of God, we no longer live in this system where we have to merit our reward, where we have to work for pay. Uh, What this means is, is we're not coming before God trembling, wondering if what we've done actually counts in eternity. We're coming before God as his children, as those that he already loves, that he's already forgiven, that he's already cleansed, who are already justified, already welcomed into his family. So we're not operating any longer from a place of merit for reward. We're not trying to 
earn his love. That's a spirit of slavery that's fallen back into fear. It's this constant wondering, am I falling short? Am I doing enough? It's a performance fear. We're set free from that fear of inadequacy. This is what God does with his spirit in us. And so those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of not measuring up to the standard that God has for you, that's not the spirit he's placed within you. What is the spirit he's placed within you doing? He's saying, hey, look at God. That's your father. That's the one who loves you. And so what that means is, is now we're free to enjoy our service to the Lord. We're set free to serve. It's no longer serving because we need to do this. Otherwise, God's not going to let us in. And it's also this, you know, I think sometimes believers think that as new creations, they're, they're just these robots who are robbed of their free will. That, that's, what it, that's what it's like to be a slave. Your master dictates everything to you. You do everything you're supposed to do because you're some sort of righteous robot. That's not who you are in Christ Jesus. You're not a righteous robot. You're a holy human. What does that mean? It means you're set apart, but you still have a free will. You still choose what he sets before you. This works that he's before ordained for you to walk in, you choose to walk in those. You don't have a spirit of slavery falling back into fear. What spirit do you have? Look at the passage there. You have the spirit of adoption. What, what does that mean? It means this spirit who's inside of you is crying out, Abba, Father. Now, now think about this. This spirit now is dwelling within you. As he's crying out, Abba, Father, he's crying that out through your mind, through your own lips. The adoration that you have for your heavenly Father is a work of the spirit in your heart that expresses itself in this confession of adoration. That's my Father. That's my king, that's my lord, that's my master, but that's my father. And he uses this affectionate term, Abba, that, that a child would use for their father, demonstrating that they love their father. And, you know, one of the blessings that I have as a pastor here is getting to hear people's testimonies, especially when people want to become a member. I'll always ask them to share their, their testimony with me. And as they share those testimonies, one of the things I love to hear is from their lips, this description of the love they have for their father. I hope that when you share your testimony, part of your testimony is, and now I know he loves me and I love him. And you're in this relationship with your heavenly father because that's what the spirit is teaching you. That's what he's letting you know. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Spirit he's given you. What that means is he's filling you up with love for the father because the father has first loved us. He says the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption, is testifying with our spirit. And so he, he's letting us know you, you individually, this person that you are, you are his child. We are God's children. And then he goes on. He's sort of using reasoning. And if we're children, then what are we? We are heirs. And then he says this, and if we're heirs, what does that mean? This is mind-blowing. We're co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We, we receive a reward with the only one who deserves it. We don't deserve it. We don't merit it, but Christ has finished the race. Christ has been perfected through what he suffered. Christ has lived the perfect life and we receive a reward. That's what happens in Christ. That's what happens to the bride of Christ when we're united with Christ. We're 
co-heirs with Christ. I love Paul's description of what we have in Christ in 1 Corinthians 3.21, where he's challenging the people to stop boasting in their human leaders. He says this, So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours. Do you understand what you have in Christ? You're co-heirs with Christ. God doesn't deny you anything that you need for life and godliness. God's not holding back any good thing from you. He's giving you everything that you need. He's blessing you with good and perfect gifts without a shadow of turning. Why? Because he's the perfect father. If, if, if you're a co-heir with Christ, though, how's the world going to treat you? Well, Jesus let us know they're going to treat you like they treated me. If they treat the master of, of the house, they call him Beelzebub. What are they going to do to the servants? Well, we're going to suffer. There's going to be suffering. Being a co-heir with Christ means we're going to be treated like Christ in this world. And that's what, that's what he goes on to say here at, at the end of this passage. He says, if children also heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. It's so important to understand part of your inheritance is suffering, is being treated like Christ in the world. And part of the reason that happens is because we're the body of Christ. Paul says this in Colossians 1.24. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. Do you hear what Paul said? He says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body. He's filling up what is lacking. What, is it, what does it mean that he's filling up what is lacking or he's completing in his flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? What he's saying is Christ's flesh is embodied now in the church. And as the church suffers, we demonstrate the reality of who Christ is to the watching world. Do you remember the, the testimony of the centurion when he watched Jesus suffer and die? He said, surely this man was the son of God. Surely this was a righteous man. He, he saw that. He understood that. Why? Because he suffered and he didn't revile in return. Because he didn't mistreat the people were, who were abusing him. And it opened up his heart to the gospel. Hearts opening to the gospel happens when the body of Christ suffers with Christ. And that's what Paul means when he says, I'm filling up what is lacking. He explains this. Paul explains in 2 Corinthians 4.10, We always carry the death of Jesus in our body, so the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. Do you hear what he's saying? We're being given over to death. What is he talking about? He's talking about affliction. He's talking about pain. He's talking about suffering and sometimes even martyrdom. That's a testimony to the veracity of our faith, to the truth of what it is that we believe. There's a, a story in, in ancient Russia of this missionary who's going from tribe to tribe, and he was sharing with them the gospel, the good news, and he went into this village and, and as he tried to share, people wouldn't listen to him. And, and so he laid down and he rested. And when he awoke from his rest, he was surrounded by villagers. And, and he asked them, why, why are you here now? Why are you willing to listen to me now? And they said, well, while you slept, we saw your feet. And we noticed they were covered in blisters. And we thought if a man is willing to suffer to bring us this message, it must be worth hearing. 
you know, as those who follow Christ, our suffering demonstrates to the watching world, we actually believe what we're sharing. We believe that this is true. John Piper describes it this way. He says, God really means for the body of Christ, the church, to experience some of the sufferings he experienced so that when we proclaim the cross as a way to life, people will see the marks of the cross in us and feel the love of the cross from us. This, this is why Paul says his goal is to know him, even if it means knowing the fellowship of his suffering. We joyfully endure trials, not because of the pain of what we're going through, but because of the pleasure that lies ahead. This is the example that Jesus set for us. He, he, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 4, God comforts us in all our afflictions, so we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. When you suffer and God comforts you, you have something to offer to other people who are going through the same thing. And understand this, you're offering it as a co-heir. Your suffering does not make you the ugly stepchild. It doesn't cause you to need to stand far off. This is how the children of God are created in the world. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. This world is not my home. I have a family that I'm going to be welcomed into forever one day. And in the meantime, there's going to be suffering here. I want to close with 1 Peter 5.10. Peter says this, The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. Understand when you're suffering. You're suffering as a child of God. Listen to the Spirit. He's letting you know God is your Father. You are his child. Thank you for listening today.